Hello, everybody. How are you? We are so excited that you would join us for another episode of Take the Stage, the opera podcast. Today, we are doing an interview that goes along with our monthly theme of wellness for singers. We are interviewing Laura Araujo. She is a coach and a light therapist and the founder of the MAPS Institute. So if you are needing to refocus a little on your own wellness journey, then don't miss today's interview. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. Hey everybody, this is Evan at Take the Stage. I will also be joined by Mariah a little bit later for the interview. I just wanted to take an opportunity to continue delivering some coaching material that I use with my clients and hopefully it can help you in your daily life. This tidbit of wisdom today comes from our audition course that we are almost done Um, teaching here locally. So remember that we will also be offering this course online soon. Uh, But just in case you'd like a taste of the work that we're doing here is one of the topics that we are working on. It's a challenging topic. (laughs) It's a topic of the victim mentality. And here's the thing with the victim mentality. Everybody allows themselves to be a victim at some point in their lives. And Some people fall into the victim mentality more than others, and that is fine. There's nothing wrong with you if you have fallen into the victim mentality. Um, But the more often that you allow yourself to fall into the victim mentality, the less power you're giving yourself in your life. So let's just talk about that for a minute today. And the first thing that I want you to realize is, besides that it's okay that you have some victim mentality in your life, is that every victim has a villain. And that's kind of how it works. We feel bad about something in our lives, not necessarily something we've done, but we just have some feelings that we're not enjoying and we want to avoid. And um, we assign those feelings to somebody else as a way to blame them. And Brene Brown calls this the shame-blame cycle. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But Um, If you ever find yourself trying to blame someone for something that's going on in your life, yeah, I know we all do it, but this this is us getting, you know, if you feel a little defensive when I say that, then you're probably in the victim mentality for a little bit. So... Um, what do we do about that? Well, the first thing is just recognize, okay, I, you know, I've got a little bit of this going on and, um, you might be saying, well, you don't know my life. You don't know me. And that's true. I don't know your life, but there are some things that I do know. And I do know that if we can move forward from a place of empowerment, rather than a place of being a victim to someone else and giving them power over us, then we can, um, do more powerful things in our lives. So here's an example of when I have experienced a victim mentality. I had a friend in college who wasn't a super great friend to have. For a while after we parted ways, I allowed to think 
I allowed myself to think of him as a villain. And if you had asked me if I was willing to give over my emotional life to him, I would have said, never, absolutely not. I wouldn't do that. But that's exactly what I was doing. I was allowing this person in my mind to determine some of the things that I felt about myself and my worth. So this is really hard to talk about because um, some people really have had situations where they are truly victimized, not just a friend who wasn't really a great friend and took advantage of them. Um, you know. But here's the thing. If you have been a true victim, you still have the opportunity to take back your power and a stop and stop allowing a perpetrator to victimize you in your mind. And here's the thing, we cannot change the past, but we can figure out how to move into the future with more autonomy, emotional health, and less victim mentality. Okay, so what does this all have to do with your singing? Well, <laughs> how often do you as a singer give your power away to someone else? I'll give you a few examples, see if these resonate with you. For me, um, one way that I've given a lot of my power away is um, in ways that I thought the church that I grew up in, I wondered if the church expected specific things from me as an artist, or I wondered what God thought about me as an artist. I allowed myself to be a victim of this made-up story where God doesn't really approve of opera singing as a career. And um, I thought, oh, God wants me to get a real job to support my family. So maybe I was uh, allowing the church in my mind to have power over me, to control me, even though it was just a made-up story. Well, I have also at times given power to other single, uh, other I have also at times given power to other singers and people who work in my industry. I allow them to be the made-up version of them in my mind and give them power to determine my emotional health and determine my worth as a singer. And I've also given power to my DNA, my genes. I tell myself, I was just born this way with this horrible voice. If only I had been born with a better instrument or... You know, if I looked better or whatever, um, then I wouldn't have to struggle so much. And this can happen when people have health problems that get in the way of their singing. I'm not saying that your genes and your health don't impact your singing. But if you give them enough power that you feel bad about yourself, you feel that you might um, end up not trying as hard because what's the point? Or you might start thinking, oh, there's something wrong with me. And you have become a victim of your circumstances. And as you know, we know that circumstances do not get to determine your feelings, your actions, or your results. Circumstances just exist. You cannot control them immediately. So the best thing for you to do is, um, if you want to change, is, of course, to focus on your thoughts. Okay, so let's just come back a minute before we get back to our interview to Brene Brown. Um, talking about the shame-blame trap. If you feel bad about something in your life, 
um, like we mentioned, one way to cope with it is to blame someone else or blame something to make someone else a villain. It could be an organization. It could actually be a person. Sometimes it's yourself. Or like I said, it could even be your genes. So, um, and we blame those other things for the way that we're feeling. And this is interesting because everyone has started in the world, has started talking about shame because of Brene Brown's work, and that's awesome. But everyone is kind of only noticing the shame language in what she's talking about, but hardly anyone is talking about the other half of the equation, which is blaming someone for your shame. And here's the truth. It is impossible for someone to make you feel shame. It is impossible for anyone to make you feel anything. The only feelings you feel are the ones that you create with your thoughts. And um, that's a wonderful, beautiful thing because it means that you get to be in control of your emotional life if you decide that that's what you want to do. So stop giving your villains power over your emotional life. So if this is something that you would like to talk about, to work on, um, whether you're noticing some victim mentality in your own life or how to deal with someone who is, you know, struggling with this as well, uh, go to take the stage opera at gmail.com, write me a quick email and sign up for a free um, sample session. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our interview with Laura Araujo. So as I said earlier, with us today is Laura Araujo, founder of the MAPS Institute. Welcome, Laura. Hey, thank you for having me, both of you. I'm, I'm delighted that I can be here and uh, we can chat about some really cool mental health and, and brainiac yes. kind of stuff. Yes, yes, we are all about that life. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to talk, you to, to talk to you today. So not only is Laura the founder of the MAPS Institute, she is also a classically trained vocal artist and coach, um, a mindfulness and yoga instructor, a sound therapist, and a huge fan of both eating and creating delicious and Ayurvedically friendly concoctions. She holds degrees in both vocal performance and French literature. You are such an accomplished human, Laura. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't know if I'm an accomplished human, but I am certainly a curious human. That is, that, uh. that is the best you can be as a human, I think. So, Laura, you talked in a bit in your bio about how the MAPS Institute came to fruition and what it does for people, but I thought it would be best if we heard it straight from you. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So, um, as a recovering opera singer, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I spent, I spent uh, years singing and training and teaching classical music, um, and still do today, but I have sort of found my own personal balance. Um, so as a classical singer, I was, I was anxious. I was the overachiever, overstriver, perfectionist. Um, you know, I wanted to do everything the right way. <laughs> and that sounds um, familiar to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Type A. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was working three jobs. I was obsessive. I was crazy. And, and, and at my peak of craziness, I was practicing for three hours a day, Ashtanga, 
on top of teaching several classes a day. Um, I was, I was in the best shape of my life physically. My mind was, even though I was practicing Ashtanga yoga, I was all over the place. I was, I was, I was anxious. I was stressed out. I was depressed. I was basically on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And so it was, it was that realization that all of this, all of this practice of yoga, all of this practice of music, all of these admittedly good things in extremes are not good for us. And so it's not about being this ideal. It's about really finding this balance of what is, what is our personal iteration of humanness? What is our personal version of humanness? And what that is for me is not what it is for somebody else. And so the idea of maps is really allowing for a, a journey of curiosity for each individual person and seeking not perfection, seeking not an ideal or optimization. Um, yes, we are all about digging into some of the neuroscience and, and how we can better optimize our brain. But at the same time, it's not a one size fits all cookie cutter, right. color by number approach. If, you know, if we were all the same person, then, then, you know, we would have a, <laughs> be having a different, it would be bad. It would be really bad. <laughs> So, <laughs> so the, the practice, um, living, living the maps life, um, you know, I, I know a lot of folks, um, they are huge advocates for meditation and in our stressed out overstimulated world. Yes. Meditation is excellent. That being said, meditation is not going to cure anything. Mm-hmm. Sitting down every day for a five minute, 30 minute meditation Some people might roll their eyes in their head who are marketing meditation apps and what have you, but I'm sorry, it's not going to by itself work. Right. And so that's why, that's why the importance of of having all of these elements in, in, in congruency is so important. Um, Recognizing that every single choice we make is, is part of the practice. So if we, if we sit down every day and we have a meditation practice, that's great. Um, but where the rubber meets the road is, well, how, how are you living your daily life? How are your everyday choices? And are, are they mindful? Um, are they aligned to your purpose? How, how, what's your relationship with your purpose? And I don't mean purpose in the woo-woo, uh, self-help guru way, you know, that changes over time, <laughs> but, but, you know, how, what is our relationship with what we really want, our why, um, and, and, you know, are we being, are we, being are we more invested in um momentary pleasure or open to the greater joy of of long-term sustainable bliss um and not to make that sound really trite but but oftentimes we're more invested in the short term so yes certainly meditation is a great entryway drug um (laughs) what other things do you recommend or what other things do you do that bring mindfulness to somebody Sure. So, um, I feel like literally everything we do can be done in mindfulness. And, um, so, so the practice of, of sitting on a cushion is great. Um, and it's great because it gets us 
some of that parasympathetic nervous system sensation of, you know, slowing things down a bit, um, allowing for our brain and our nervous system to feel a little bit of that ease. Um, that said, things like breath practice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. For some people who maybe, you know, they've tried meditation, they've tried some version of meditation and it hasn't worked for them for whatever reason. Maybe they've tried one practice, didn't work for them. Um, there are a million different kinds of, of ways to, to practice meditation. Right, sure, um, sure, so, sure. <laughs> so things like breath work can be very helpful um, to give an immediate immediate reaction um, and sensation in the body and a lot of people who I work with who maybe they've tried meditation they're mm, they're not into it mm -hmm. um, some other uh, some other ideas that um, that I know a lot of people that I've worked with really enjoy are walking meditation mm -hmm. um, are having a mindful relationship with your food just eating alone puts us into a parasympathetic state um, which is kind of fascinating. Um, certainly not, I guess if you're, if you're watching a sports game and, and, you know, shoving French fries into <laughs> right. your mouth at the same time. Or if you're <laughs> but, driving to work and trying to eat yes, a burrito and then, exactly. you know, like slowing down then maybe. And... <laughs> My carne asada is gone. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know, um, mindfully eating is a great way because it's something that we all do every single day. We all eat. Um, so you can see on the MAPS website, there's a whole slew of, of articles around mindful eating. Um, I'm really a big fan. If you're, if you're looking to begin, certainly breath work is a great practice as well. Yeah. And then through this, you're practicing this every day or, you know, consistently, right? And through this mindfulness, you start to discover, well, I, I guess for you, it sounded like you discovered maybe a different meaning in your own life or something that you wanted to accomplish. And what, what are we looking to gain from being more mindful? So from being more mindful, um, from being more mindful, we we have the opportunity to resensitize. In my opinion, we live in a world where we are encountering a a barrage of noise, of, of mm -hmm. tumultuousness, of of invitations for stimulation, whether it's from the media, from our teachers, from our peers, um, from our our egos saying, "Oh, well, you should be doing X, Y, Z. You should be at this part in your career right by by now," and and so by meditating, we allow for ourselves a little bit of a space. Um, and it doesn't need to be meditation. Um, you know, it, it could be just, um, it could be stillness. It could be non-sleep deep, non-sleep deep rest, which I think is a super powerful mechanism, which we can, you'll, I'm publishing an article upcoming about non-sleep oh, deep sweet. rest, which is very powerful. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, and physical activity where we're not plugged into music or, or a TV show um, to allow for ourselves to have that, take advantage of that brain plasticity. All of these things allow for us to unplug and to create space. Um, oftentimes, you know, we are, we are so reactive because we are in this, we're in this constant state in this environment of overstimulation that we are constantly activating via our limbic system. We're constantly activating emotionally. And, um, so giving us 
giving our brain the space to kind of reset um, so that we can make our choices non-emotionally so that we mm. can look at our purpose and our goals and a more clinical um, and not, not clinical in a bad way, but in a more sustainable way. Um, it's, it's just, it allows for us to experience more joy because we're not thinking emotionally in the short term and impulsively. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> but you know, we, we all have things that we want to make shifts with, whether we are a singer yeah. or not. And, uh, and what it comes down to is that our brains are, are set up to do so. And if we, if we allow them, if we um, give them the space to, again, going back to the meditation practice, going back to the stillness practice, um, it doesn't have to be on a cushion. It doesn't have to be in full Padmasana or, you know, in a lotus pose, like, you know, what you see on TV with the Buddhist monks and all of that, you know, <laughs> it, it, it could be, you know, it can be at your desk. It can be while you're cooking, you know, the practice of, of chopping vegetables, um, mm-hmm. of sitting at the piano. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite practices, you know, sitting at the piano and, and just, you know, messing around or singing or what yeah. have you. Um, so, yeah. So we have a couple of questions that we would like to ask you. They're um, a set of questions that we ask every single guest that comes on the podcast. And the first one we're going to ask is probably the hardest question we ask anyone ever. But mm. so <laughs> so we want to know all throughout your career, people tell you like what you should do and who you should be and all of these things. Um, but you know, every singer has a weakness and a different journey to overcome those weaknesses. And so we wanted to know if you have ever been told that something is holding you back, that you're not measuring up in some way, and whether you did overcome that, decided you needed to overcome that, or if you decided that was something that you didn't really need to deal with, that it wasn't important to your success and your um, path as a singer and as a human. (laughs) (laughs) pulls out a wine glass (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) um um so i would say which weakness should i talk about first Um, (laughs) um no i i have i have been told by many of my teachers that I need to, um, in, in a different version, do less. Um, mm. They recognized it as well, that I was always a, a very much a striving, you know, perfectionist kind of person. Um, uh, you know, when I was in middle school and I was wanting to learn all of these, you know, German art songs and very tenacious about it mm-hmm. um you know my hungarian roots mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know i i was always you know, i was always told you know that i was i was doing i was doing too much um that i was more invested i was always told that eventually my desire to do too much would catch up with me and you know that it would bite me in the rear end and um, you know, they weren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura, what book would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, 
not necessarily about music, but about life or about our brains or whatever you inspires you? So, um, wow, there are, there are so many great books out right now. And I've been reading a lot of like more science and neuroscience books lately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I won't rec recommend any of those <laughs> at this point because let's be honest, you probably don't really care about that, but I will say there is a really great read by my friend, Austin Perlmutter, um, Dr. Austin Perlmutter and his father co-wrote this book called Brainwashed. It's a really fabulous read. It's accessible. Um, it is down to the brass tacks of what really matters. Um, and if you haven't followed Austin um, or his dad on, on social media, on Instagram, um, they do a really great job of breaking down everyday psychology, habits. Um, they're just really great people. Awesome. So brainwashed. Brainwashed. And episode 32 will be brainwashed. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna you're gonna add you're gonna call up austin <laughs> so laura what are your what is your dream role so um so i actually would have told you um fanny bryce uh and funny girl uh mm. or funny you know um i would have told you some you know some um some musical role at, at an earlier part in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but at this point in my life, what I really desire, my dream role, um, I would say that my dream role is to continue teaching, you know, once, yes. once the pandemic has kind of simmered and people have gotten their vaccinations to continue teaching people one-on-one. -on -one. I, I have a very strong relationship with teaching people one-on-one. -on -one. Wow. Um, and also to get maps going to continue with all of these programs we are launching a whole series of programs by our creators and by ourselves here and to be a mom so um Aww. so i don't think that you know at this point and maybe i'm wrong i'm still a young person i don't think that i want <laughs> to spend my my years on the stage at this point mm -hmm. um but uh but I am perfectly happy to be sitting at our baby grand piano in our living room mm -hmm. and, and, you know, playing and singing and that sort of thing. I love that. Mm. Laura, it has been so wonderful talking to you, learning from you, just soaking this in. And physical and mental health is really important to me personally. And that's why we were so excited to have you on today and to share this with our listeners as well. Yeah. Thank you so very much, both of you, for having me. It's been a pleasure as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. And <laughs> also to our listeners, I have been a subscriber of the MAPS Institute online for a few months now, and I love getting to read all of the articles and information that Laura and the Institute put out. So how can our listeners get in touch with you if they're interested in learning more about the Institute? Sure. So they can, um, they can go to themapsinstitute.com. Um, or they could email me if they, if they wanted to write me a personal letter. I'm always, <laughs> I'm attentive to my email. It's laura at themapsinstitute.com. <laughs> um, or they can follow me on, on social. Um, it's um, at maps the journey. Um, 
Okay, awesome. great. Great. So for everyone listening today, remember that you are strong, beautiful, and capable of great things, even different things, whatever your heart is telling you as you take this journey and take care of yourself. So keep working, taking care of yourself because your art and your work will change the world. So with that, stop waiting in the wings. Keep singing, my friends. In Boca Lupo. Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 